You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. I was here in February, February 10th. I think the outpouring started on the 8th, and I was so scared. And I said, Greg, y'all don't need me to speak. I'm good. I just want to come. And he said, no, no, you have to. And I said, no, seriously, like, I'm not speaking. And he said, you have to. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, y'all are good. You don't. And then he kind of forced me to speak. And and I was so scared that I was going to, like, be known forever as the woman who stopped the outpouring. (laughs) But somehow it was okay. And he invited me back. Crazy. On one of the sessions on Tuesday afternoon with a free lunch or whatever, Yes, the 11 o'clock thing. I'm going to be telling a lot of the stories I may have told back in then, a lot of miracles. We've seen a ton of miracles. I served in India. We saw a ton of miracle after miracle after miracle and things that would blow your mind, things that just literally would blow your mind. And so I'm going to be sharing a lot about that on, on Tuesday at 11 and about prayer and about just seeing, seeing crazy things happen that don't make any sense. But today I'm going to share about our call, how to discern the call of God. I was a brand new Christian at the University of Georgia. I was an atheist. I came to Christ through a friend who led me to, to go to this campus ministry. I was so unchurched that when the, the pastor there gave me a book about atheism, and he wrote J-E-R 29-11-13, that I thought it was a Christian code. I had no idea what it meant. And I was like, what does this mean, these Christians? J-E-R. Do y'all know what it means? Uh, 2, 9, 11, 13. That's how unchurched I was. And it took me several months before I figured out what it meant. But as a brand new Christian, I remember going to my campus pastor and saying, I, I sense that God wants me to join the Peace Corps. Peace Corps is a, is a service work. It's a secular service organization that you join to go to, to developing countries. And so he said, I said, but I wanted to go to the Christian Peace Corps. And he introduced to me the word missions, which I'd never heard before. And so I think today people say cross-cultural worker, cross-cultural witness, missionary, but it's all basically the same thing. So he introduced that word to me, kind of got me on the right path to going to Asbury Seminary. And before I knew it, after graduating seminary, I sold everything I had, bought a one-way ticket to India, had $80 in my pocket and a backpack with all my stuff in it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to India. And so that's kind of how I got there. But I want to tell you the in-between stuff since we're talking about call. Is that good? Yeah? So you're like, she jumped, she jumped really fast. What, is, what happened in between, right? I, I knew that I was called to work with children. I knew that I was called to work in a developing country. But I had nothing else beyond that. And so I was just praying all the time at seminary over across the street at Asbury. God, where do you want me to go? Lord, show me where you want me to go. Show me where you want me to go. And I was wrestling with God, you know, show me, show me. I got to know where you want me to go. And I'm, these different things are coming in my head. India came in my head. Guatemala, Jamaica, you know, West Africa. I, was having, I had all kinds of ideas, but I didn't know where to go. And so I decided to go and pray about it, really get myself to kind of fasting about it and praying about it. And I went to Highbridge. And I sat out there alone one day, and I was just, you know, God, show me. I need you to show me where you want me to go, y'all. Y'all, I kid you not, this is what happened. An airplane, a little small, like, airplane, like a biplane, started flying overhead, and I'm just looking at it. It was a red airplane. It's a beautiful September sky, it's blue, and he starts skywriting, and I see an eye, and I was like, I wonder, who, I wonder who that is, they're writing something to their girlfriend, you know, I love you, will you marry me, you know, that kind of thing, and I'm watching, it's just I, and then it's N, and then it's D, I was like, what, what are they writing? I, A, and I was like, are you kidding me? India? 
I mean, I was like undone, y'all. I was a mess. I mean, I'm crying. I'm on high bridge. I'm crying. I'm wishing somebody was there to see it with me. And I get back to Asbury, and I'm just like, this is crazy. I'm praying from where to go, and I'm asking God. I'm asking God. And literally, he sends an airplane riding in the sky, I-N-D-I-A. Is that crazy? Are y'all not thinking that's crazy? Does that happen to you all the time? Yeah, crazy. So I get back in, and I'm, I'm, I'm at the seminary, and I'm walking towards the cafeteria. It was probably about 5 o'clock. I was going for dinner. And there was a, a row of pay phones. And we don't do that anymore, do we? Everybody has cell phones. This was back in the day, y'all. So there was a row of pay phones, and that's when you put a coin in and you make a call. I'm just walking past these pay phones. I'm just like, God, is it really you? Am I crazy? Like, what's going on? And the phone, one of the phones, it starts ringing. And it's just ringing. And I'm like, who's calling a pay phone? People don't call pay phones. So I'm just walking past it, like, and it's just ringing and ringing. And I'm like, what's, is that, who's going who's gonna to pick up that call? So finally, I was like, well, I'm going to go pick it up. And so I, get, I go inside, I pick it up, and I'm like, hello? And there's an Indian man, a, vo- a voice of an Indian man with an accent. And he just says, India, 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 three times in a row. I mean, what do y'all think I'm doing at this point? I'm shaking, I'm nervous, I'm weeping, and I hang up the phone, and I know beyond a shadow of doubt, that God's called me to India. He's confirmed it. An airplane, a crazy random phone call with a man saying India three times on the phone. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, how many of you have often wanted a call like this? You want God to make it clear to you? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, how many of you are like, man, if God called me like he called Tammy, I would freaking be on the plane. I mean, right? It wouldn't take anything for you to get on the plane. Like, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. You know, I wouldn't even hesitate. You're probably thinking like, man, if God spoke to me that way, it'd be a done deal. I wouldn't even have to pray anymore about it. Only thing is that I was lying. I lied just now at Asbury Chapel. I lied. That did not happen. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'm telling you to make a point. So everybody just breathe out. Okay, you can believe the other stuff I'm going to say, but that was a lie and I owned it, okay? The rest of the stuff is true, but I owned it, okay? The truth is that oftentimes we think that God's call is supposed to be a mystery like this supernaturally unveiled, you know, or, or, or sometimes we think about God's call and what we're supposed to do next, discerning God's call. It's like a tightrope. We've got to walk it carefully or we're going to fall into the river below. We've got to make, take the right steps or we're dead. And other times we look at God's call as a wild goose chase. He just leaves us little clues and we have to like be really smart and clever and, t- and be tenacious and figure out what the clues are. Even as an atheist, unchurched at college, I still had that idea. That God's call is, it has to be supernaturally unveiled before I know what it is in a crazy way, or it has to be a tightrope that I have to walk perfectly, or it has to be a series of incredibly mysterious clues that God puts out, and I've got to be smart enough and clever enough and tenacious enough to figure out what those clues are and what it means. And that's just not true. And so I actually think it's like this. God's call is more like the river, more than the tightrope above the river, right? It's actually the river. You know, it's actually jumping in. It's not, a, it's not a scavenger hunt of impossible clues. I remember in my generation, we used to sing this song. I don't know if you guys aren't going to know it, and I can't sing. And if I sang this, y'all would all get up and walk out. So I'll just tell you the lyrics. But it was called History Maker. Anybody familiar with that song? They're like, no. It goes, is it true today that when people pray, we see dead men rise and the blind set free? Yes, it's true, and I believe it. I'm living for you. I'm going to be a history maker in this land. I'm going to be a speaker of all truth to all mankind. I'm going to stand, I'm going to run. And it keeps on going. And the, the, the chorus is like, I'm going to be a history maker for all this land. 
And we used to sing that, God, oh, we're going to be history makers. We're gonna, I mean, I, my friends and I, we were 100% sure that we were going to raise the dead and heal the blind and see all this stuff happen. And we were on fire, just like, just like you are, many of you in this room. You know, like, I want to see miracles. I still want to see miracles. I have not seen a dead person raised from the dead, but I have prayed for one. It didn't happen. So many of us in our generation, they were so scared of making the wrong move that they actually stood in the river ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep, waiting, waiting for that sign from God, that airplane in the sky, you know, that, that crazy phone call, waiting for God to speak to them. And I, I just don't believe, that's, I don't believe that's entirely true, you know. I have friends of mine who I love with all my heart. They're still waiting 30 years later to do what they, I mean, they were, they were with me. They were going to go to the nations. They were going to waste their life for Jesus. They were, not, they were going to make their lives count in an amazing way. And like, they're still, I love them, but some of them are still waiting 30 years later, just waiting. When my kids came up to me when they were small, I, I have 46 kids. My youngest is 15 and my oldest is 31. And they're in India. Most of them are in India. One of them is with me, actually. But when they were small, and they wanted to help me, like, maybe clean the office, they would, they would call me Tammy Ma. Tammy Ma, can we help you clean the office? What do you think I said to them? I have left you a billion clues of what you're supposed to do to help me. If you, if you love me, if you knew me, you would know, pick up my clues, and you would know how to help me. You think I said that to them? Y'all are like, not sure? I did not say that. <laughs> you know. Did I say to them, you know, if you loved me and knew me, you'd figure it out. You would know my will. You would know how to help me clean the office. No, of course not. If we know how to be kind to our kids, how much more does God know how to be kind to us, right? And so I want to tell you this. If our hearts genuinely have a yes in them to God, and we truly are seeking to know God better, abiding in him, that's my big caveat, you have to abide in him. The truth is, God has already placed hints of his calling in your own hearts, in our own hearts. Let me give you an example. When my kids were small, they were sick at Christmas, and it was Diwali, and Diwali is a big Indian festival, a festival of lights that happens in November. And the two ladies that started the home with me, the children's home, we're outside and we're shopping for stuff because the deals are really good on Diwali. And I see these six bicycles, and I see bicycles, and I was like, y'all, that's a great deal. Let's get bicycles for our kids. Now, my kids had never shown any interest in bicycles whatsoever. They had shown no interest. We hadn't thought about it. We hadn't talked about it. They did not want bicycles for Christmas. But I went and bought these six bicycles because they were such a good bargain. And we hid them in our garage and we covered them with tarp and cardboard and, and junk and just tried to hide them in the very back corner of this big, big uh, garage that we had. And you know what I started doing? I started dropping my kids' hints. So I had, we had a coffee table and I would, I would sit down. We, at that time I had about 24 kids. We sit uh, a magazine with these kids riding a bicycle. I would just kind of leave it open on the, on, the, uh, on the little coffee table. And the kids just walk by and look at it. And if anybody turned the pages, I would always just open it back up to the, to the bicycle page and just kind of show it. And we took walks with our kids every evening after dinner. And so we would walk around and we'd see some people riding bikes. And I would just be like, oh my gosh, that red bike, it's freaking awesome. Oh, I wish I had a bike like that. And I'd just keep walking. And my kids would just kind of, yeah. It's a cool bike, you know. And then, and I would just keep walking, and then I, I see another bike, and I would be like, oh, look how fast that blue bike can go. God, that's awesome. Well, man, I wish we had a bike like that. Keep walking. And every now and then, I would just drop a hint. I would just say things like that. I did it all. I mean, I was, ten, I was crazy. I was dropping hints left and right in a good way. And by the end of December 25th, what do you think my kids wanted for Christmas more than anything else in the world? Bicycles. 
Yeah, they would just, that's all they wanted. And I would be like, uh, sometimes I would see a bicycle and I would be like, oh, it's just too much money. I don't think we could ever afford one of those. You know, and I just keep walking. And so all these conversations happen around my kids. And by December 24th, all they want is bicycles. And it was my joy to clean up those bicycles because they were dusty, put balloons all over them, decorate them, and we put them in the, in the living room. And when the kids came down the steps, there were six beautiful bicycles. And my kids were the happiest kids on the planet. It was awesome. It was amazing. And I think sometimes it's like that with us and God, isn't it? He loves us. I wasn't trying to manipulate them. I love them, but he's even better than me because I had a little manipulation. He doesn't manipulate at all. But he, he literally puts, he puts hints of his, of his heart in us. He puts hints of us, and then he allows us to do it. That's exactly, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about destiny. If we're abiding, he's placed hints of his calling inside our own hearts. It's, why, it's the way he's wired us. I don't know who said this because I couldn't find it, but someone said, somebody smarter than me said, our calling is oftentimes the place where the world's deep hunger meets our greatest joy. And I think there's truth in that. God has put hints of his calling in each of you. And it's not that you have to pray harder, figure it out, and figure out the clues, and walk the tightrope, and see that, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily that. He's already placed hints inside of you, the way he's wired you, the way he's made you, the giftings he's given you, the places where you find, pay attention to your own heart, where is that deep level of joy? Sometimes I think we're so timid, we're just waiting for the audible voice of God, waiting for the airplane to ride in the sky, or the, or the audible voice on the, on the telephone telling us to go somewhere or do something. And I, I think that's debilitating. I don't think that's where God wants us to be. I think his, his will is not the tightrope, it's the river. You know, trust that as you go, as you're abiding, now again, my caveat, you're abiding in Christ, you're seeking to know him, you have a yes in your heart. Trust, even if you miss the mark 100, exactly, he still, trust the current to carry you where he wants you to go. Don't be scared, you know, standing in the shallows, ankle deep, just waiting. I think about my own calling for India it's my joy. I'm devastated. I'm not there right now. That's my home and my heart. But the truth is that, that my own calling for India was like that. I had a deep love for India, a deep love for kids, a deep love for Jesus, and all those things kind of collided in K homes. And everybody would say, oh, you're sacrificing. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? I have the best life of anybody I know. I wouldn't trade this life with any of you guys. It was my joy. You know, when you tap into that place with God, it becomes your joy. There's an element of obedience. Don't hear me saying, oh, you'll know your calling because it'll be fun. Yeah, it will be fun, but it won't always be amazing. It won't be perfect. There will be problems. It's, it's up, to, you know, I am saying this. As you pursue Jesus, this lovely guy, this lovely man, the kindest person I know, he's going to place hints of his calling inside of you. And he's going to actually give you hints. Pay attention to yourself. What brings you joy? When you're abiding in Christ, when you're really going after him, you're saying yes to him in your heart, you don't have to have it all together. You're just saying yes to him in your heart. What kind of things bring you joy? And how do those things line up with the world's deep hunger? You know, and kind of pay attention to those kind of things. He's placed hints of your calling inside of you. You have an opportunity to obey, to say yes. Here's the thing. You can also say no thank you. You can close your ears and your heart. You can repress. You can ignore. But you get to sense his joy when you say yes. And one moment of God's joy over you, man, you don't want to say no. You don't want to say no. You want to say yes. It's awesome. God has placed hints of your destiny inside of you. Please don't wait for some magical moment before you finally launch out. I have friends that I love dearly who are fearful and scared of making the wrong decisions so they do nothing. And to me, it's, I'm just so sad. I'm so sad. God's put hints of his destiny inside of you. I also want to add another thing this morning. I want us to know that the day of the celebrity Christian is over. I'm talking about celebrity worship leaders 
celebrity speakers, celebrity authors, preachers, leaders, whatever they might be, I truly believe that those days are over, and they should be over. Missionaries, it's all. The Great Commission being fulfilled in our lifetime is possible only if a massive, nameless, faceless generation of people respond to God's call. And I want you to hear that. The only way we will complete the Great Commission in our lifetime or in the coming days is if a, a great, massive amount of people who are okay with being nameless and faceless say yes to God, respond to his calling wherever it is, and, and doing whatever it is. That is the only way we're going to see it happen. God is looking for a nameless, faceless generation of people, and I, and I want us to be it. I want you guys to be it. You know, you don't need to have your, you don't need to be famous. You don't need to have, you don't need to be popular. You don't need to be anything. Just be faithful and just be obedient and watch what happens. Watch what happens. The eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth, seeking those, seeking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully his. And I want him to find it in us. I want him to find it in in our hearts, even now. You know, I want him to find it in you. And he looks and says, my eyes are resting right here. I see, I see my child is crazy about me. He loves me. He's saying yes to me. That's enough for me, you know, and, and he'll come and strengthen you and, and help you. Imagine if we would all discover and discern God's will for our lives. Imagine, seriously for a second, if we all were able to discern God's call and God's will for our lives, here's what would happen. The Great Commission would be completed. Nobody would know our names, but everybody would know the name of Jesus. And isn't that what we're after? You know, isn't that what we're after? And so that's kind of what I want to happen. I want to, I want to pray this morning, and I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to, to come up. Life with Jesus is so awesome, and life living out his calling is so awesome. And I want to help pull it out of you any way that I can. If you want to meet with me, if you want to talk, I'm here 100%. I'm not one of those people that's unattainable. I'm just a mom of 46 kids. That's it. I'll be happy to, to help anybody kind of flesh out their calling and kind of talk it out and dream. I'll help you dream. You know, it, it's possible. And I, I, just, I just don't want anyone on the riverbanks ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep when you can actually be in the middle of the river where it's too deep and you have to, you have to trust God. And so I've got a, a lot more to say about, about that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about it tonight. And we'll also talk about it uh, tomorrow at 11. I've got a lot of stories to tell. I just want to get this across to you. I hope that you hear my heart and I hope that you'll respond. And so what I'm going to do right now is I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask you to just to stand up for just a moment and just close your eyes and put your hand over your heart. And I just want you to check your own self, your own heart. Are you willing to say yes to God? His call is not scary. It's not, it's not crazy impossible. Are you willing to say yes to him? God, I don't have it all together. I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to say yes to you, God. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. And we're going to invite you if you want to, during the ministry time to come. And, and uh, I'm not going to have anybody pray with you. Just come to, to Jesus and just come to him and just kneel here if you'd like to. And I want more of Jesus. I want to know. I want to know what your call is on my life, God. And I don't have to have you, it be a tightrope or a mystery that has to be unveiled. Would you show me in my own heart the hints of of my destiny, of your calling in my life? And ask God to show you, and I believe that he will. I really believe that he will. He's not a a bad father. He's not hiding it from you, and you have to figure it out if you're smart enough. He's ready, literally ready right now at this moment to, to show you hints of his destiny that he's put inside of you. So, Lord, would you come and would you show us your heart, God? We love you. We give ourselves to you this morning, God. We love you. You speak to us, God, any which way you want to, God. We want to hear you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you have put hints of your calling inside of us. May we say yes to you this morning. In Jesus' name.